SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. So glad you could join us this beautiful afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, John Grace and Daniel Medina here with Fiscal Fitness and what a launch as far as this year is concerned, right? I mean, generally this time of the year is pretty quiet. The last week was very quiet. That's pretty typical. Uh, well, that's typical. That's not how it was last week. And it's certainly not how it is this week. Today, we see what uh, Trump supporters um, uh, making it, uh, is this the roaring 20s or the riotous 20s? Time so will tell. Uh, Trump supporters apparently are uh, liberating folks from being at their offices and uh, people have to evacuate buildings because uh, there are folks making a lot of noise and maybe doing some more damage. Uh, and, and I have to say to you that many of us look like petulant children. We look like, uh, you know, we're, we're spoiled rotten uh, with uh, thinking that things should just be the way we imagine them as opposed to paying attention to how things really are happening. Like it or not, understand it or don't. And, and that's what we try to do here is recognize what's really going on and how you can not only survive, but thrive no matter what happens whether it's the good, the bad, or the unforeseen. And I mean, you know, things change so quickly. Uh, last year, we were with you. Last year, that, you know, last Wednesday feels so much like last year. And we were crowing about the last five days of the year, or the first two days of the new year, where the market typically, historically, uh, sees that as a Santa Claus rally. And, and in fact, the average for that seven uh, market day open period of time has been about 1.3%. Lo and behold, the last five days of 2020, the market was up 1.4%. So everybody's on cruise control. And, and that's where it becomes interesting because then things uh, get, they, they just change dramatically and you didn't see it coming. And then, of course, uh, the first uh, trading day of 2021, guess what? Well, that's where everything just uh, reversed itself. Like I say, last week was so last year. And we saw a market loss on the first day of 1.48% per market watch. So that tells you how quickly things can turn and how much we need to be prepared for things to turn, particularly when they don't turn in our favor and they surprise us to the downside. So we want to make sure that you're as, as well prepared as possible for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen. And we want to talk about some of the things that we are looking at that certainly command our attention. We, we don't have the capacity to see the future. No one does. But there are signs and there are signals and there are ways to kind of get a, a lead on what might happen. And as we are fond of saying, have, having learned so much from the engineers that we work with uh, quite a bit, they want to look at things from the worst case scenario. They don't think that's negative. They think that's being realistic because the truth is if you're prepared for the worst case scenario, then you're probably well prepared for just about anything to happen. 
or if you decide that's not how I want to play the game, well, now the question becomes, what can be done so that you can play the game to win where you don't need a Hail Mary pass? So we think that's where the rubber meets the road. And it's so important to really design how you're going to play the game because it's your game. It's your life. It's those are your decisions. And we want you to make those decisions with your eyes wide open. So as we do, we talk about what the market is doing and clearly we're, we're, you know, this is just what the third uh, trading day for the year, but, uh, now the Dow is up 1.25%. Again, we, we had a, a great 2020. The Dow was up 7.3. And uh, like over 3% of that, 3.3 by my margin, by the way I look at it, 3.3% of that happened in the month of December. So it was quite a good month. With the S&P 500, we see that that, one, uh, that index is up 064 So that's uh, 64 basis points. It also had a terrific December up 3.7% and for the year up 16.3. NASDAQ uh, is actually in negative territory modestly at this particular time. We'll talk more about that in terms of what we're seeing. Um, And just to contrast, the Dow's up 375 points. That's up 1.24% just today. So all of those gains at 1.25 really are occurring as you watch it today. And then the, the NASDAQ has reversed itself. It's off uh, nearly 52 points right now, up 0.06, six-tenths of 1%. But look at the run it enjoyed in 2020. It was a gain of just about 43.6%. Oh, happy day. Uh, happy days are here again. And in fact, I think 2020 might have been the best year for the NASDAQ since 2009. So it enjoyed a terrific run. And, and that's what we're seeing. Um, but I will comment that as far as the market is concerned, it was definitely a bull market for stocks and a bear market for humans, particularly with this coronavirus, all of these uh, shenanigans going on, people wishing that life could just uh, be converted to how they want it to uh, happen. And, and you and I know, being a little more mature than I think most of us are, we're, 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 it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> and some of us are in our 70s and we still seem to be acting like we're seven as opposed to well into our 70s. But now let's, let's, let's look at that a little bit further because we like to look at what the smart money is doing. And, and by contrast, it's not a favorable term, but we, the market, there are certainly people in the market look at what do the smart money people do versus yes, the dumb money. So those are the smart money tends to be institutions, folks with a whole lot of money, the moves that they make versus the folks with not nearly as much money and, and how we often get in the market at the time when it's poised for a significant correction. That's one of the things we think is a, a real possibility for this year, perhaps happening as soon as uh, spring. So let's turn to one person we can learn a lot from, and that would be um, a gentleman by the name of Carl Icahn. He's been around for <laughs> quite a long time. Um, and what he's seeing, this is a quote. He says, I've seen a lot of wild rallies with a lot of mispriced stocks, but there is one thing they all have in common. Eventually they hit a wall and go into a major painful correction. Nobody can predict when it will happen, but when that does happen, look out below. And I mean, these comments were made on 
uh, Monday, J- January 4th at Market Watch. So uh, this is a gentleman who has uh, made some big moves. In fact, uh, you may know him because he has had a huge stake in Herbalife. But he's unloaded, he says, about $600 million of his, more than half of his stake, that's what it represents, and is giving up his seats on the company's board. Yet that keeps him with about $400 million on the table. But notice he is worried about things turning around very quickly to the negative, and he has made moves to keep uh, some of his assets intact, some exposed in the event there's more upside. You notice he didn't sell all those shares, but um, he has moved uh, a significant amount of cash to the sidelines. What are you seeing here, Daniel? I think this is a really important note for, for, for everyone, really. And it really comes down to individual risk tolerance and what individuals are trying to do. As we get older, and the money, for most of us, as we get older and the money becomes more real because we get closer to needing it, particularly when you when you enter the pre-retirement and retirement ages, the what you've saved becomes much more valuable. When you're working, the value doesn't really matter day to day. So let's let's suppose you're 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 45 and you have a hundred thousand dollars in your 401k. If tomorrow it drops to fifty thousand, as long as you still have a job and you have income, it doesn't make a difference in your lifestyle. If it goes to 200000 the next day, that feels great. But again, it doesn't make a difference in your lifestyle. So the, the risk tolerance changes. So as you get older and the, and the money becomes more real because you're going to start withdrawing from it, hedging strategies become much more valuable because when you need the money, if you, if you take, start taking distributions into a negative market or into, into losses, it becomes very hard to recover from that. So as an example, let's let's suppose you started taking withdrawals in 2008 and market was off 37% in 2008 and you took a 4% withdrawal. So now you're off 41%. You have to make back what the market lost plus your distribution. And you're expecting to take another distribution the next year of 4% of your original value, which is now more like 7% of your current value. So now you're taking, now your distributions, the, the dollar amount is compounding on your smaller account value. You have to make that back up. So those negative numbers become very, very, become crucial to your, to your overall success. So those hedging strategies become very, very important. So everyone needs, I think everyone needs to consider having some kind of sell strategy or having positions in their accounts that are not correlated to the market. And when I say not correlated to the market, I mean things that move differently. So it used to be that US stocks and international stocks were uncorrelated assets. One would go up and one would go down. Now everything, all the stocks for the most part move together. Different different uh, different sizes nasdaq will can be more volatile than s&p stocks but they they tend to move together so that's that's not a hedging strategy we're talking about things that are not correlated that are independent so they may do the opposite of what the market's doing is that what you're saying more like a 12 cylinder engine to be to keep the jaguars driving very smoothly yes yes exactly exactly something is it's it's kind of hard to say because it, it doesn't sound great, but something should disappoint you every year. If everything is going up every year, that means everything's going to go down at some point too. And that's the problem. That's where people really become unglued and, and, and recognize, as I say, uh, Carl Icahn has been around for a while. He's 84. 
He's known to be pretty gruff, but he's, uh, he's done a great job as an American businessman. And according to Bloomberg, his net worth is close to $21 billion. But notice he's taking money. He has a plan, all right? He's executing it unlike most, and I think he has a reputation of moving out of Japan, for example, two years before the market, the stock market in Japan went south, two years before he moved to the sidelines. So most of us go through that experience as opposed to recognizing when you in a hole, the first thing you want to do is what? Stop digging, <laughs> because it makes it so much harder to reverse the, the trajectory that you're on. So these are things I think are, are worthy of, uh, of, of, of really taking a hard look at and also recognizing some of our habits. As one of the doctors who's an epidemiologist said that made a lot of sense to me, the problem with optimism, I would call it blind optimism, but doesn't matter, is that it breeds complacency. And, and that's exactly what happens. You know, people get very comfortable. You can put everything on cruise control. And then there's something bump that goes in the middle of the road you didn't see. And now you have to stop and try and fix the problem, whatever it might be, assuming you can. Well, we want to make sure that that road is as smooth as it possibly can, no matter, well, let's say your road or your experience is smoother as opposed to watching the market and being a full participant with the market doing whatever it does, let's look at what you can do to limit your ride on the roller coaster. Unless you enjoy the ride of the roller coaster, then we will say, God bless you. And uh, good luck with that. And hopefully it all turns out. But you can't, we, we, we're seeing other evidence of folks who are uh, suggesting that now is the time to make some changes. I mean, here's another one, uh, Jeremy Grantham. Uh, this is just uh, yesterday where he renewed his grim outlook for U.S. stocks, warning of a, quote, full-fledged epic bubble. Now, this is just days after the equity indexes finished off a euphoric year, just last Friday. So he says that we're it's historically speculative investor behavior, and the Federal Reserve won't be able to stop a looming crash. This is in a letter he uh, titled, Waiting for the Last Dance. So he's been famous for his uh, bearish calls, and uh, he, has, uh, he had a good year last year, uh, but he's also 82, and he suggests that the reckoning will come, and it will go down in history, along with some things that you may have heard of, like the South Sea bubble, the 1929 crash, and the 2000 tech bubble. And, and on that note, the 1929 crash, so many people are saying, hey, it's like the roaring 20s. As soon as this pandemic clears, like after the pandemic cleared, or, or the uh, Spanish flu cleared back in 1918, the roaring 20s took off. Everybody was flagrant. Everybody was having a wonderful time. Well, Let's remember that the Roaring Twenties started out with a boom and it ended with a bust. So, I mean, is it, is it possible that something like that may happen again? And I think the best answer is yes, it is possible. So as we're watching the melt up occur, particularly today with the Dow and the S&P up markedly, and, and that we can talk about why we think that is, but you also, we would say savvy investors seem to dislike losses then they like gains so this would be an opportunity to look at your scenario and determine while you can well in advance we would say how to limit your losses so when those losses show up no matter whether you saw them coming or not it it, it keeps your account more intact and you don't allow your assets 
to be handed to you. What other, else did you see here, Daniel? Well, one of the things that we, we've talked about on the show a few times, and I think it's I think it's very important because most people just don't really have an idea on what kind of risk tolerance they're really trying, they really can accept. There's We have a way to calculate that in a numbers and a percentage value based on, on your account. And it's you, you can get there on our webpage, www.ybpoor.com. On the homepage, top left-hand corner, there's a red button titled Avoid a fin- Financial Pen pandemic, that will take you to our riskalyzed calculator that will give you um, a, a, an actual dollar amount and a percentage on what your risk tolerance, your real risk tolerance is. Well, and that's very different than just uh, saying we're going to be conservative, moderate, or aggressive, which is the way the majority of the industry works. We think it is far more valuable for you to discover, probably for the first time, how much loss can you accept. Is it 8%? Is it 80%? Let's figure it out well in advance and then see if we can't design the portfolio where it might just perform within your particular parameters of loss and gain, as opposed to saying, well, it always comes back because sometimes it just doesn't seem to do that fast enough to feel good about it when it takes sometimes 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, that might be long, that might take longer than you expect to be around. Now, uh, I, this is interesting because uh, Bill Gross uh, calls this, this is the gentleman who made uh, PIMCO famous. He's calling this current market bubblicious, bubblicious. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm saying the these folks kind of have a sense of what they're doing, and maybe we should learn from the best and the brightest. We've got to get to a quick break, and we'll be right back on the other side to talk about a couple of other things that we're seeing that most people aren't seeing, and that is the Chinese are coming, and the there is a universal problem with uh, uh, pensions across the country. We'll be right back on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YBPoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So glad you could join us. This is John Grace and Daniel Medina here with Fiscal Fitness. As we say, we're off to the roaring 20s in many ways. And buckle up, America, because it's going to get very interesting. And we must be vigilant. We must pay attention. We've got to watch what this COVID is doing. We've got to watch a whole lot of moving parts at the same time. And that way, maybe we can survive and thrive. And, and you know, remember, speaking of the pandemic of 1918, one of the benefits that came out of that is something called radiators. So we were building systems that would provide heat for buildings and homes that didn't exist before. Everything was with uh, fireplaces, right? So there's always some good news that comes out of the bad news, but you got to go through the winter, if you will, so that you can get to the spring. So we're going to talk about some of the things that are commanding our attention in terms of what we see relative to the good, the bad, and the unforeseen, what, what is absolutely coming down the pike. But let me say real quick, please feel free to pick up my brand new book, Making Finance Make Sense, Striving to Win. It's available on eBay and it's available at Amazon. And I I have to tell you, I will not be getting rich off this book because I think those two companies have priced my book less than 100 pages, about 100 pages, 15 to 16 bucks. So there's not a whole lot of profit going into that a game, if you will. And the Kindle version, can you imagine? It's all of 99 cents. So I, it, it was fun making that a gift to 50 people I could identify, only 50 bucks. And here you have it. Hope you'll like it. And please feel free to make your positive comments at, uh, at, at uh, Amazon and eBay, because my new goal is to get on the bestsellers list. And if you could help us do that, I'd be most appreciative. And also let me comment that, you know, frontline workers, are doing so much to keep us safe. And, and we really take them for granted. I mean, you and I probably have the luxury of being able to work from home uh, or being in a very safe environment. The frontline workers don't. They have to get up and go. And as a friend of mine was pointing out just yesterday, he says, you, you need to see that the folks who are on the front line, no matter the capacity or the income, for the most part are women and minorities, and many of them are millennials. And when we look at the, uh, the, the number of uh, the ratio in terms of uh, Latinx, uh, African-Americans versus Caucasians, we see that the death rate for Latin Americans, Hispanic Americans is like one and a half times that of, of uh, Caucasians. And the for, for Black folks, it's all of two and a half times. I mean, so this thing is, uh, is as I say, the, the uh, an, a, a disaster of epic proportions. And, and we've got to figure out how to uh, recognize it. It certainly recognizes us and make sure that we become invisible so that we can live and do what we're here to do. So let's turn our attention to uh, what I call the, the Chinese are coming. And let me give you a little background here because uh, I, I think this is important and it, and it helps us see what's going on you know, in the very recent history, what has been going on for some time much longer than that, and, and what's happening in the very near future. So let's just put things in perspective because it wasn't that long ago um, that we heard President Donald Trump say in his inaugural address, quote, from this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. 
from this moment on, it's going to be America first. Now, end quote. And, and, and on its own, that seems like a nice uh, rallying cry. Right. It, it, but there's some there's some movement going on in, in those in those words. And the phrase has had a long and troubling history. You see, history suggests that it was a Republican campaign slogan back in the 1880s, but it didn't become a national catchphrase until President Woodrow Wilson used it in 1915, according to Sarah Churchill, a professor of American literature and humanities at the University of London uh, at the magazine Vox. Now, Sarah Churchill went on to say that former President Woodrow Wilson used it in, in 1915 to, as part of his efforts to keep America out of World War I. That, that might make sense. Uh, now, he was tapped at saying to, place, uh, to placate isolationists and, uh, while he himself was an internationalist. In the name of leadership, Wilson felt it was important to maintain neutrality. Now, you know that all changed and we had to get involved there. And, and that's what uh, became of, of World War I. Now, Charles Lindbergh, the famous American pilot who led the American First Committee, it was a group of some 800,000 Americans who wanted to keep us out of World War II uh, and, or World War I. Well, maybe both. But it was a, it was began as an anti-war slogan to remain distant from the world, and it became an unequivocal fascist and xenophobic slogan. Churchill, uh, the Sarah Churchill, is the author of the book *Behold America*, and she wrote that if you're an anti-immigrant and xenophobic debate, uh, then America First will kind of magnetically accrue those anti-immigrant sentiments. Put America first, native-born people first. It connects back to the nativism of the 1840s and 1850s, and it sounds broadly anti-immigrant. In a moment where people were very concerned about ways of immigration, which was a big motivating force for the Ku Klux Klan, and it was only natural that America first would become a rallying cry for nativists and racists. So here we are, 2021, and, uh, you know, it, the, the, the dog whistle message, uh, you know, between the parenthetically are those who are not white, not Protestant, uh, not what they saw as a native born American, uh, just an, an old style American. They weren't welcome here, uh, Sarah says. She went on to say America First did have strong resonances with ideals like Make America Great Again, which is a phrase that they nearly echoed as well. The idea then, as now, was that the true version of America is the America that looks like me, the American fantasy I imagined existed before it was diluted with other races and other people. Uh, this was Sarah's uh, writing for herself. So when we look at uh, the U.S. relative to this coronavirus, where some countries have done a magnificent job of being on the ball, I'm not sure that we're there yet. We're not on the ball yet. It's great to have a vaccine, but uh, what what good is a vaccine if folks don't get vaccinated? I mean, it's it's no different than what Dr. Fauci said the other day was that the cavalry is coming. Okay, the cavalry is here, but what good is the cavalry if it has no arms or if it has guns with no bullets? I mean, the cavalry is worthless if we can't get these vaccinations to um, into the arms of people so that we all might be able to survive this thing. Now, in the meantime, guess what? As they say, the Chinese are coming. See, China will leapfrog the U.S. to become the world's largest economy by 2028. This is according to the 
think tank, economic think tank, the British Center for Economics and Business Research. This was in uh, the Newsweek magazine right after Christmas. See, we've been so busy studying our navel. The, the report suggests that the economic fallout of the pandemic means China will surpass the U.S. five years earlier than previously estimated. But about 2028, that's right around the corner. So Reuters went, went on to say is the report shows that the COVID-10 pandemic and corresponding economic fallout have certainly tipped this rivalry in China's favor with the U.S. embroiled in arguing over the political statement of wearing a mask, thanks to tough measures, certainly abetted by China's authoritarian system, it appears to have stopped the pandemic in its tracks over there. At the same time, the U.S. has become the epicenter of the COVID-19 as the number of cases and deaths continue to multiply. Now, let's put things in perspective. I mean, if you have a favorite team, whichever one it might be, what happens as soon as they become number one? that's the equivalent of putting a target on their backs. Is it not for the other teams to say, we're coming for you, you've got to go, we're gonna take you down. <laughs> we wanna be there, but certainly we don't want you to be there and we're gonna take care of you. <laughs> well, that's what happens with countries as well. And, and what I'm saying is, as opposed to saying it's us first, it would be, I think, more certainly more magnanimous and certainly I think more healthy, recognize we, we all, breathe the same air, we drank the same water, and a minute ago, we flew the same airplanes. And a minute from now, we'll be back on those airplanes. But when we talk about America first, I don't want America to be top of the list where we are at about four, four and a half percent of the world's population, but 25% of the corona cases, coronavirus cases, according to CNN. So, you know, this is not the place I want to be. That's not my idea of a job well done in terms of being at the top of that list. I want to be at the bottom of that list. So let me just say this, that here's what we should do to survive and here's what we should do to thrive. In terms of survival, it's add one more W to that list, right? Wash, watch, and wear, and add one more, wait wait to join the large groups. I missed a, a New Year's party because I did not want to encounter COVID. And the best way to do not to encounter COVID is don't show up. What should we do to thrive? Well, look at this. China just finished its economic development targets for the 14th five-year plan. What? That's right. The Central Committee of the Communist Party of China has undertaken this monumental task 14 times, 14 times they've done a five-year plan. What do we do? Plan for a vacation? Plan for a wedding? Do we think about two, three, four, five years from now as a person, as a country? Not so much. So what's your plan for you and your family? Because make no mistake about it, the Chinese are coming ahead of schedule. And what I'm saying is if you're competing and if your children are going to be competing for a job, recognize it's not us versus them in terms of the West Coast versus the, the East Coast or the North versus the South. It's us against the world and they want what we take for granted. What do you see here, Daniel? I think they're going to get it. It's it's a natural progression of, of of economies. It's not a question. I don't think it's a question of of if they're going to be the, the world's leader or the economic engine of the world or leading in GDP. It's just a question of when. And that's a natural progression of economies. 
that's what happens. If you go back and look at other economies, it's the same thing has happened. Look at Britain and Rome and all the other economic powers of the world. They all went through their cycle where they were number one for a long period of time. And they thought that would never end. And the rest of the world would never catch up. And they eventually were overpassed. And that's at some point that's going to happen to us as well. Well, everybody has, when you go to the, whatever game you might, and it's outside, typically you spend time in the sun and then you spend time in the shade, right? So everybody gets to enjoy both sides of that equation. And hopefully you're prepared for the warm weather along with the cool weather. But let's just recognize we've really taken our eye off the ball and they are very clear about what it is they are here to do. They are not gonna be, I'm not saying anything good about China. All right, let's recognize they have a way of doing business that's certainly unlike the way we do business. But I'm not saying that one necessarily is any better than the other. I am recognizing that wherever this coronavirus came from, however it's showing up, no matter how many strains there might be, they have nipped this issue in the bud. And we seem to be just beginning our experience. And if California leaves the country, as it has in so many ways, if we're leading the country because of greater density is the way I think of it uh, relative to coronavirus cases. Uh, What I'm saying is uh, that we've got a lot of folks, particularly in LA County, where there are more than the number of people who should be living in one place who are living in one place. So the the overcrowded density, I think in San Francisco and uh, New York is about 6%. If I'm not mistaken, in Los Angeles, Los Angeles County, it's about 11%. So we have too many people, these are frontline workers, going out there to get the virus, to bring it to each other. And then we see these kinds of uh, sicknesses. And unfortunately what follows of course, are the deaths. So we've got to keep our eye on this ball and, you know, recognize that, yeah, everybody enjoys the the shade and the sun. And it looks like we might be entering (laughs) the sunset years and and recognize one of the the wild cards that we're keeping our eyes on is you, you and I take for granted the fact that just about everything that is bought or sold in the world, like oil, that's a very prime example, is in US dollars. Let's just suppose that that changes. Some sources will suggest that that could change your standard of living by increasing your costs by 20 to 25%. Because if we're using another currency from another country other than the US dollar, the prices for so many things will not be the same. They will be higher than we, we, we see them today. And, and just as an example, look at prices for gasoline, for example, here versus whenever, whenever the last time you went to Europe and it's like, oh my goodness, right? We thought it was bad East Coast, West Coast. It's a lot worse in Europe. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why they have uh, such efficient cars. And notice that we have to have these big trucks that we just keep waxing because we don't use the truck. We just have to look like we're John Wayne because it gives us a whole lot of pleasure. We've got to go to a break, folks. We'll be right back on the other side. So stay tuned because we want you to recognize the universal problems that we see with America's pensions. And know this, size does not matter. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. 
With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YBPOR.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YBPOR.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now back to fiscal fitness. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Daniel Medina and John Grace here on Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. So glad you could spend some time with us this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. As we say, we're off to the races. It's the Roaring Twenties, and keep your eyes open. Speaking of keeping your eyes open, I want to give a little background. We're talking about the universal problems with pensions, no matter the size. Size does not matter in this equation, all right? So I'm going to give you a little backdrop, and then I'm going to ask Daniel to talk about what we see in general. And then we'll come back to to what we see specifically with CalPERS, because a lot of people have a lot of money with CalPERS, and they're one of the largest, if not the largest, pension plan in, in the country. So we, one of the things that we do, unlike most of our peers, is since 1999, we've been paying for objective, independent research through HS Dent. Uh, dental research. And one of the things we've been studying since 99 is this issue with pensions. And what we find is that the, 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 as I say, no matter the size of the pension or the location, there's a pretty much a, a, a couple of things that are wrong about these pensions that for the most part, the uh, public is not aware of. And so we become overly reliant, those of you who are fortunate enough to have pensions, to believe that this income that you were promised is going to be consistent for the rest of your life. And for example, I have a friend of mine whose father saw uh, for over 20 years, his pension income was north of $10,000 a month. And out of the blue, he got a letter to say that your pension benefits have been reduced to $1,500 a month. Now try and wrap your mind around that reality. And if you don't have a large nest aid, 
right? A nice nest egg set aside to pick up where that deficit left you. You're in shock and awe, and it might be an OS moment, but you probably won't be saying, oh, shucks. Daniel, tell us more about what you're seeing with the with pensions and the, 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 prob the problems that we see, the two primary problems. Well, there's the... One of the one of the problems is over forecasting on returns and underperformance in in the in the investments. So a lot of times, what happens is the investment professionals and the actuaries put together these these projections on on what their investments will do over a certain period of time, five or ten years. And let's suppose they're projecting a seven percent return annualized over that period, and then they go back and figure out how much they can pay out to their to their uh, participants over that period of time. And then they'll give you, that will give them an idea on how they're, they're whether they're fully funded or not. Now, when the invest, when the investments inside the pensions underperform, which they did all through two thousands, that becomes a big problem because they're there. Those numbers are crucial to the longevity of the pension, having enough money. Now, going back to 1990, most pension systems were fully funded. And flash forward to the 2000s, the decline of 2000, 2001, and by, by the end of 2003, uh, pensions were about 89% funded. Fast forward to 2010, they were about 75% funded. Hmm. So first, they're expecting, the, they're building their, pro, pro, their the portfolio or the expectations on the pro forma of the portfolio of enjoying a 7% return. Just, just use that. That's Hypothetically, yeah. Hypothetically. Yeah. But the reality is that many of the portfolios, for whatever reason, haven't risen to that level. Maybe it was more conservatively uh, invested. Uh, it was primarily in bonds when bonds didn't pay a whole lot. So instead of 7%, they got 4% on an annualized basis. That's, that's the one-two punch that people aren't recognizing. And well, that's that's the one punch. The, yeah. the second punch, which is very important, is people are living longer than they ever have before. So this is similar to what we talked about last week with Social Security. When people live longer, these pensions have to pay out more money. So then we'll say there's three things. Longevity, right? That's the long, yeah. the, 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 the wild card. And then we've got the interest rate, reality versus expectations. And then um, we've got the recognition that these accounts are not being sufficiently funded. So there's three major things that are wrong with pensions. And, and please understand, we see this universally. So remember what I said earlier with a, a physician, epidemiologist who says a problem with being object or being optimistic is you just don't pay attention. And then it's a, it's a surprise because you became too complacent and you didn't have a backup plan. So let's look at uh, CalPERS. And what we find, this is, uh, this is from the California Globe uh, just uh, today, actually. And, and what we're seeing is that the CalPERS side effect to the coronavirus is that funding has dropped to 60%. 60%. Now, let's look at this, because what we were expecting is that uh, the, in absolute dollars, the CalPERS funding dropped from about $377 billion in October 2019 to about 339 billion today, okay? Um, and a, a tax increase, everybody loves tax increases, right? We, we hate them, but I mean, sorry, I don't care who's in office, we, the, whether you're state or federal, frankly, we're not collecting enough tax. 
We're just not. And a tax increase, this article suggests, about $2,800 per household is needed immediately just to get the CalPERS pension back to 70% funded. 70%, that's not 100%. That would require an estimated 23% increase in gross income per household for the remainder of this year. Uh, and that would be May, June, July to restore the CalPERS funding level to 70%. Well, we know that's not happening. And we can see that the pension system was better prepared to weather the current downturn in the financial markets due to state shutdowns of the economy and stock price crash by limiting the population proportion of volatile stocks in its portfolio. See, they took less risk. Now, this suggests that the allocation of about 50% stocks 28% bonds, 15% um, in index funds, 13% real estate, 8% private stocks, and 1% cash. So just to climb back to a 0% return this year, the funding would level would drop to 66%. This is a worst, this, that worst case scenario is for a 10% loss. Now, for the five, the nine months of the current fiscal year, that would be J July 9, 2019 through March 2020, that CalPERS rate of return was a negative 4%. Remember what Daniel was talking about? They're expecting 7 In this case, it was uh, for it was what, almost a year. Well, actually, July through March, three-quarters of a year, a, a loss. No matter the time frame, it was a loss. We don't like those. That means CalPERS would need to generate about a 16% return during the last quarter of the fiscal year, April, May, June, 2020, to break even at 0% return, which of course is very unlikely. And yes, the target average year-over-year return, year -year return to keep the fund 100% funded is 7% to 7.25, 7 and a quarter percent per year. So to get to 100% funded local and state governments would have to increase taxes by about $200 billion per year from 153 billion today to 353 billion by about 2025 or $15,426 per household per year. Do you think that's going to happen? I don't think it's very likely. <laughs> so, John, what happens if they don't get their funding? Eventually, the uh, the board is going to have to make some adjustments. And, and a lot of times when we talk to people specifically about that, they don't believe that that is even an option in their pension. And that's and just not the case. We've seen no. it happen. Well, and, and let's recognize one of the one of the uh, pension plans we studied, I believe it was the Wisconsin Teachers Pension. I, it's probably not the perfect name, but I think you understand what I'm saying. And and notice that what the retirees did, because of that, those great returns that the markets enjoyed and pension plans enjoyed, particularly in the last half of the 90s, what did retirees do? Oh my goodness, look, this is over. It has overcompensated. The, the, the account is twice as large as it was just five years ago. So you get to increase our income for the rest of our lives. And of course they did, that was voted on, it's still in place. And that means that it put the people who are working in peril to have the same kind of uh, benefits that the retirees are enjoying right now for the rest of their lives. So recognize GM, for example, 
we call them government motors after 2008. But one of the things that helped GM survive is they effectively said, we have a pension plan for the old people and a 401k for the new people. We will have no more pension plans for anybody because one of the reasons like Daniel talked about, that longevity thing, we don't wanna be in that business. So we had to, sur to survive, we can't, and, and now the workers can't really complain because they recognize if you were a worker back in the old good old days, you're good with the pension plan. And if you've signed on more recently, you have to save the money yourself. And that's why we're here because we're, we're trying to ring the bell to say, folks, look, you just can't spend your way to happiness and you can't spend your way to financial independence. And all most of us want to do is just say, oh, I put the money somewhere. It grew to whatever it grew to. My house went up. My uh, stocks went up. You know, everything's fine. I can go to heaven now. It just doesn't work that way. So if you have a pension, look at it from this standpoint. What would happen to you if your, your current benefit or your expected benefit were to be reduced by, make up a number, 25%, 50%. Make up the worst case scenario, 60%. I don't know how low it could go. But play the game to recognize if that were to happen, this is how I would have to deal with it. And what do I need to do to put enough money behind door number one so that it might make up, my savings might make up for the experience of this, this pension plan not performing the way I expected it to very consistently for the rest of my life. What do you say to that, Daniel? I think you're 100% right, John. People have to, especially people that are that are on pensions, typically a lot of people that we talk to, the pensions are very generous. So there's, uh, especially CalPERS pensions. So live below your means. Don't stop saving money and figure out what would happen if your pension got cut. If it got cut by 25% or 50%, what would you need saved outside of that to make up that loss of, of income? It's a, it's a, it's a really important question because those what ifs are very important. Well, and how would you grade pensions in terms of which ones do you think are the strongest as far as categories versus going down the line relative to strong to weak? That's an interesting question because I think if I, I'm not sure of this off the top of my head, but I believe private pensions are better funded than government pensions. But the challenge there is government pensions have the government's backing them. So in a worst case scenario, it's at this point, it's not infeasible to think that the government might step in to, to, to just drop money in there. I don't think that's unrealistic if there's, if there is a huge problem. So if I'm, if I, if I was betting, then I'd bet the government pensions, uh, the federal ones, uh, they're probably going to do better. They're probably going to fare better. Well, and the federal ones probably, well, let's understand, what, what can the feds do that no one else can do? Print money. Print money. <laughs> right? And, and, and who are they taking care of? Each other. So they probably will do that for themselves. As you get to the larger companies, they could make up their new rules next week and, and recognize you might know the people who are on the board today. Will you know those same people 10, 20 years from now? Probably not. Could they come to a completely different conclusion than the one that was reached 10 or 15 or 20 years ago? You have no way of knowing. It's a wild card. So you know, we've been studying, as I say, these the, the, pet, the problem with pension plans. And 10 years ago, we thought that it, the, the total was about $2 trillion that were underfunded. 
Uh, but guess what? It got to $2 trillion in, in, in much less than 10 years and in just a few years. So, and they're usually sponsored by state and local governments, labor unions, and a number of private businesses. What did you see in terms of that you found interesting with the labor union? Possibility with Google? Uh, Google's employees are, are they're trying to unionize now. They're still they're still a, a long way off, but that's that's something I read yesterday that that, that they are trying to do, and, and they'll probably make it there. And this it, it, it'll this is the part of the problem. Once you put these big unions together, they get these great benefits. Now they're paying pension, they're paying healthcare, and we saw with GM, and that's partially why they couldn't survive the 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 two thousand eight crash. Well, and, and let's suppose we have a decade that's a flat decade. Remember, they're looking at, we saw one, uh, CalPERS, off 4% for a period of time. They're expecting 7% to 7.25%. And, and we were looking at the total liability being about $2 trillion. According to the American Legislative Exchange Council, that the, if you make more realistic assumptions on future returns, the unfunded liability becomes something like 6 trillion dollars. There's only two ways to do that, to make up for that deficit, raise taxes or reduce services. So to your question about what's going to happen when they wake up and recognize that this can't continue, those are the options. Uh, and it could, given be both. The, it, it, it could be both. It, it, I mean, that's what I would do, frankly, uh, if I were looking at these things. And But you understand that would be very distasteful. Uh, again, no, the governments have not been collecting enough money to service what we expect for a long time now. And right now, I think uh, the, the, the market is looking at, oh my goodness, we're gonna have a, a blue wave. So that means taxes are gonna go up, that's terrible. Well, I, you have to recognize, you, you tell me which, which you prefer. Some people, Daniel, I've looked at folks that have moved to other countries where their taxes are higher than ours. And guess what? So is their happiness index. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, we're not. They, they feel like I'm getting what I pay for. I'm able to take advantage of some of the things that in the States I'd have to pay Pay for out of my pocket. It's paid for with my taxes. We've got free schools. We've got decent, if not acceptable, healthcare. You don't have to be rich just to go to the hospital, buy an ambulance, and then come back and go, how much in debt? That doesn't sound like fun. So in so many ways, the future does look grim. We will get through this, but we've got to be vigilant and we've got to pay attention. And that's why we think it's so important to plan our financial success. So on that note, Daniel Medina, John Grace here. We will look forward to being with you again next week at this time, 12 to 1 Pacific time, uh, 12 to 1 on Wednesdays. And we've got uh, three great speakers to help businesses prepare for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen. We'll see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you for tuning to Fiscal Fitness. Please join John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an excellent week.